You may as well open up your Bibles today to Malachi. This is our second of four lessons. There are four chapters, and we're going to have four lessons, and there are many things in here, even in those four chapters, that we're not going to get to in in uh, these four lessons. Today, it's one of those lessons. I'd encourage you to read all of Malachi 2, uh, because we're only going to cover the first half. In this... In, in this message that is being given from God, we're reminded that these priests have done a terrible thing. And it's disgraceful. They have not upheld the covenant that has been given to them. The covenant of their, that was given to their father, Levi. They have not upheld that covenant. And so... Bad things are going to happen. A curse is coming upon uh, the priest and the entire nation. Things are going to be bad, and things are going, well, things are bad already, and things are going to get worse. And it's all because they didn't uphold the covenant. So we're going to ask ourselves, are we keeping our covenant with Christ? Because we, when we enter into our relationship with God, it's more than just inviting Jesus into your heart. It is entering into a covenant with Christ. And as we participate at that table, it is a participation with him. He has a part that he is upholding on his end of the covenant, and we are called to uphold our end of the covenant. We are in in a binding agreement with him, and let us not fail to keep the covenant. So the question is going to come simply, are we keeping the covenant? In Malachi chapter 1, it was introduced to us that the priests were likely, and this is, uh, we went through this last week, the priests were likely using extenuating circumstances to disobey God and say the table of the Lord is despised. You read through chapter one and you're like, how could they possibly say that? And, it, and and one of the thoughts is, well, they weren't literally say that. They were just kind of saying it in their heart. And I contend that maybe they were literally saying this because they were due to the very difficult conditions that they were now experiencing because God has allowed the curse to already come upon them. That maybe things are so bad that they're saying the table of the Lord is despised. You don't have to bring your best right now. Let it be despised. So thus Israel did not give their best. One of the very first lessons we learn is that mankind fails. We don't uh, walk with God as we should and we disobey. Um, that was in uh, Genesis chapter 3 is the fall. And you get to the very next chapter and we learn that even though God knows we're going to fail... And that he provides for us and covers for us and and he will forgive our sins. Yet, when we meet up with Cain and Abel, we do understand that he does expect us to give our very best. That's what we learned from Cain and Abel. Cain did not give his best. And so the question comes to us today, are we giving our best? Are we giving what we should to God? He asks us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Are we giving our best to him? So 
as we get into chapter 2 then, we, we learn that this curse, and we read this verse to set the stage for what, you know, the bad situation was already going on. But we learn about the curse that comes on the priest in particular, these ones who have not upheld their position, their covenant, that special covenant that they had, and therefore all of the people were in danger too because the because of this curse upon the priest. Malachi chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. And now this commandment is for you, O priest. If you do not listen, and if you do not take to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I am going to rebuke your offspring, and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feast, and you will be taken away with it. So since the, the priests haven't upheld what they're supposed to uphold, and they have despised the table of God, God says, I'm going to curse you. And in fact, I've already, the curse is already upon you. It's already started. That's why you're experiencing some of these bad times that you're going through. That's why the people are in want and in need. That's why the crops aren't good. That's why the, uh, the vine isn't producing. So they're under a curse. And part of this curse is, in verse number three, it's really some ugly language. It's one of these places in, in Scripture where you're kind of like, well, has, does God really talk like this? <laughs> he says, I'm going to spread, depending upon what your translation says, it's, it's the thought of dung. This is a word when it talks about refuse. It's, uh, it's fecal matter. You can put it at as you know whatever kind word you want you want to, but it is, it's gross. And the language is is used um, back in the um, the law of Moses that it was when it was talking about the sacrifices when they would uh, before they would uh, give the sacrifice they would prepare that sacrifice and all the whatever animal that they had. They would basically butcher it up, but the entrails, the insides, would be, they wouldn't be a part of that sacrifice, and they would be taken outside of the camp and burned. And along with those innards, um, those inward parts, the guts of the animal being taken out, the refuse was often, was always to be taken out with it. And now, I guess if you've ever butchered an animal, and maybe some of you who have hunted before and have... Um, have have helped to butcher an animal and get it ready to take to the um, uh, the meat market wherever you wherever you take it to to get it finished up with the butchering. You know when you're before you bleed that animal out and you get that all the guts out of it. One of the most important things is that people are very careful that they don't want to rupture any of the intestines because that is just going to make a big awful mess. But sometimes I'm sure. It would, and you'd have to clean up that mess. So this is ugly language here. This is something that we don't even like to, you know, who, who would want to butcher an animal and have to deal with fecal matter? 
who would want to deal with that refuse, that dung. It is nasty and gross. And God is saying, that is what I am going to spread on you. I'm just going to splatter it across. It's going to be across your faces. That's what he thinks of these people. Because they have defied to keep his law. They have not upheld their end of the bargain. And what he gets into then is to tell these priests, here is the covenant that you were supposed to uphold. This is what you have failed at. And so as he gets into the next verses, he's telling them the reason, here's what you were supposed to do, verses 4 through 7. And he says, and since you haven't done that, I'm just going to, you, you know, you might as well have this fecal matter spread all over you on your faces. And I'm just going to take you out of the camp and put you with the rest of the trash to be burned. So verses, verse number four, we'll read verse number four and five right now. Then you will know. So he's speaking, you know, hey, when, when this, this bad thing happens, when you get taken out with the trash, when you get, um, taken away with all of the other, the entrails and the the fecal matter, then you will know, verse 4, that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him as an object of reverence or fear. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. So just consider these thoughts for a second. This covenant that God had made with Levi, and Levi was going to be one who didn't get um, an allotment in the land as as they came into the promised land and spread out the the land among among Judah, um, among all Israel, the 12 tribes. But Levi was going to be spread out among all those people. He was the one who was going to serve the tribe of Levi. He was going to serve as the head of the, as the priest and all of, as all of the ministers before the Lord. And it was a covenant of life and peace. So you think about this covenant that Levi and that this group of people, this tribe had with God. It was, it was, they were the ones who were going to be holding forth life and peace to everyone. So just can think about that and consider that. If if they were to deviate from that, if they were to to break from that covenant, what would it logically bring? If they break the covenant that they had with God, the covenant of life and pre life and peace, the result was going to be death and disorder. It would be pain and suffering and chaos. And that's what these people are experiencing. And so as they have broken that covenant with God, and now they start to experience the the pain and disorder, the chaos of life instead of the life and peace from God, then they start to say, oh, God doesn't love us. No, he's calling them to come back to him. And he wants them in this covenant of life and peace. He doesn't want us to to wander our own way and do things our own way and and just mess up everything. That's just, that's what happened in the garden. And the result was disaster. 
He says, follow me, do things my way, and you will have life, and you will have peace. But in order for that to happen, he refers here to reverence. I, I put in my notes, healthy fear. I always, you know, reverence is always a funny thing. It's, it's literally just, it's fear. There are different kinds of fear, words for fear in the Bible, but this is one of those words for fear. And it's, it's a fear like when an angel would appear for in front of people, they would have fear, you know, because you come into the presence of an angelic being, you're going to be awestruck and you're going to have that healthy respect, a healthy fear. And that was required of these priests. And since they didn't have a healthy fear of God, it was, it's like when you come to a, a cliff. Or when you're up high, if you're you're painting uh, on those, um, well, when you when you come to a place, I, I, I'll, I'll look at it this way: when when I came to the Grand Canyon, uh, you come to the edge of the Grand Canyon and you look down, and it goes down, however far it goes down, and you know one little step, and you could uh, your your life would be gone. You have a healthy respect, you have a reverence for that position that you're at because you are at the edge of death. This is the kind of thing, but, but when you, when you have that healthy respect, you can look out in awe of the grand Canyon. Those of you who are, have been there, you're like, this is, I've never seen anything like this. This is amazing. There's that sense of awe at the grand Canyon and right along with that sense of awe is a sense of fear that if I step into that grand Canyon, I die. So you don't want to break the rule of not stepping into the Grand Canyon. You got to have that healthy fear. You have to have that healthy respect. The, the priest didn't do that. These priests have forsaken reverence. And so what, instead of saying, no, we are going to follow God's commands, his covenant at all costs, and we will always bring our best, even when it's difficult, even when there is reason for us to say, I don't know if we should do that right now. A healthy fear is always needed. It was required of the priest. And when they would say, you know, this, the, the table of the Lord is despised. We don't really have to bring your very, very best. Just bring kind of the best or just bring something, you know, just bring something. Times are tough. Just bring something. That was not reverence. That was not fear. That is not considering coming into the presence of God and having to answer to him someday. That's not thinking about, in our situation, thinking about Jesus has given everything for us. So I'm going to give him some of the leftovers. We have to give Christ our best. These priests needed to give their very best to God, but they had forsaken reverence and all of the nation has followed them. So this covenant of life and peace required reverence, required them to stand in awe of God. And they failed to do that. And just said, uh, God, the table, the Lord is despised. We'll do what we can for God, but we got to take care of ourselves too. All right, now on to verse number six. Still talking about this covenant of life and peace with Levi. 
Verse 6 says, true instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. So look at this. These you know, I, I simplified this a little bit in my notes, just saying the, the priests were to teach truth, they were to walk with God, and they were to turn others back from iniquity. This is what their covenant of life and peace was. It wasn't just their life and peace. It was life and peace for everyone that they served. They were messengers for God. They were to teach truth. And they were to not just teach it, but they were to walk it too. And this, this, is, this is the thing. It's always the same thing. I remember stir, hearing some stirring messages from uh, one of the preachers I heard when we would go up to the lake in the summers. There was a young guy that was at the church up there. It was about an hour drive. Uh, so when we were up at the lake on the weekends, we would hear Chad Brock. He was a young guy just out of college, and he would s- preach these stirring messages, and it just would grab my heart even as a young kid. He'd say, we've got to live this, and he really meant it. And he, he we can't just kind of come to sh- show up to church on Sunday and think that God's just happy with that, that we just kind of show up. We have to teach the truth, and we have to walk with God. And when we do that, when we teach and when we walk with God, we will turn others back from iniquity and we should want to do that. How can we possibly say, you know, as we had, as we participated in the Lord's Supper this morning and we think we take that, that cracker and we're, we're eating that cracker and that's the emblematic of us participating with Christ. It's not just us kind of talking with Christ. It's us participating, being one with him and taking the blood and drinking it and remembering what he did for us. This And it's, it reminds us of our covenant that we are in him. And if we are reminded of that, And we think about what Christ has done for us and what we then need to do for him and should do for him. How could we possibly not want to turn others back from their iniquity? Because the epitome of Christianity is if Christ has done it for you, then you must do it for others. He reached out to us and saved us in our rebellion and saved us from our sins. We should do our best to reach out to others to help them experience the same. And if we aren't doing that, then we're hypocrites, just like these priests were. We're the priests of God. We're going to teach you the truth. But for right now, the table the Lord has despised, you don't have to bring your best. That's got a broken leg. That's all right. You know, it's ridiculous. They were not teaching truth, but the covenant of peace and of life and peace that God had with Levi was one where the priests were to teach truth and walk with God in uprightness and in fear and turn others back from their iniquity. Let's not be hypocrites. These priests were hypocrites and they were going to pay the price. All right. And then verse number seven, I wrote the whole thing down. I, I, I didn't want to summarize this one in any way. Verse number seven says, for the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. 
the Lord of hosts, the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The, you know, this, I think it's used, that idea of the Lord of hosts is, used to be a strange one to me. And perhaps it's because it could mean a couple different things. The Lord of hosts, all of the hosts of heaven, all of the, it could just be a reference to he's, a, he's the Lord of the entire universe because of the host of all the stars and planets and all of all that. And the, that's, that's out there in the universe. He's the host of all of those. Or it could be the host of armies of angels, the host of the Lord. He is, he is the one in charge of, he's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of heavens. He's the Lord of all the angels. He's the Lord. He's the God of all. And we, excuse me, not, I don't want to point it to us yet. These priests were to be messengers for him. Notice that last part of verse 7. He is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The lips of priests should preserve knowledge, not forsake knowledge, preserve it. And men should come to these guys saying, teach us the ways of God. That's who the priests were supposed to be. But they were not. They had failed, and so God despised them. God was going to um, humble them, make them abased. Verses 8 and 9. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way, and you have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So. I have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. They were teaching what they wanted to. They were not favoring God's word. They were favoring their own words. They were partial with what they taught and who they taught it to, but they weren't just teaching the truth of God. The covenant of peace was broken. These priests failed, and so God despised them. God was going to lower them. God was going to put refuse on their faces and have them tossed to the curb. Warren Wiersbe is uh, one of the commentators that I look at every once in a while, um, and this kind of takes us back a little bit. This is Actually, this is what he wrote at the end of, the, uh, uh, end of chapter one, but it fits with us now. Is the first thing he says is that we are priests. And so this is what we want to get at. And I just, I've, these words that I have here are uh, directly from one of his commentaries, and I'll add to it a little bit. We are priests through Christ. And we too are to bring spiritual sacrifices to him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. So go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. I hope you'll look at all these verses because they have such a great impact upon us. We're just going to go through them briefly. But last week during the sermon, I asked, uh, just pose the question, what, is, what, are the, what are the sacrifices we bring? If we're to bring our best, what are the sacrifices we bring? And so here are hopefully a few things that you have considered already, we are priests 
everybody. We are priests and we are to be involved in these sacrifices. We are to be involved in this covenant of life and peace. First Peter chapter two, verse five. Um, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up the spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are priests. God has made us all into a priesthood. There is no longer one specific sect that is a that is the has the role of priest. We are all all who are in Christ, we are all priests for him to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Wearsby doesn't note this, but if you look down into verse number 9, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that, so listen here, this is, this is how we are to serve as priests. This is the reason we serve as priests, you and I, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The point is we are to proclaim the excellencies of God. He saved us. We need to proclaim the salvation of Christ Jesus that has come to us. We need to proclaim it to others. Wearsby continues in his uh, notes, what are these sacrifices? Um, so what is it that, that we are to do that is uh, to call others uh, to know this wonderful work of God in our lives? Um, he lists first our bodies, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So I'll, I'll go quickly through some of these. Romans 12, and I'm only going to read verse number 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So remember, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. So God wants us as a sacrifice. The sacrifice we bring is to, to God is, is us. It's our bodies. We give up our lives and give them to him. That is our sacrifice. So what kind of sacrifice are you giving? Are, are you coming to God and saying, I'm going to give you my best? Or are you bringing your lame, broken aspects of you and you're just saying, well, here I am kind of. But I'm really more interested in giving myself totally to whatever it might be that you really, really love. Consider it. Think about it. Even in our worship right now, we are to be giving our minds, our hearts, our thoughts to God. Are we doing it? My clock says 1053 right now. Have you tuned out already? Or are you giving your best to God right now? I can see some of you on my screen. You better be paying attention. <laughs> Anybody got their eyes closed? I can't. You're not quite big enough to see if you got your eyes closed or not. We are to give our best to God. 
He wants our best. Don't be like Cain and just say, uh, here's some corn and some beans, you know, and I kept the good stuff for myself, but here's some corn and beans, you know, now give the best, the first fruits of your flock. All right. Our offerings, Philippians 4, 14 through 18. Um, Philippians 4, 14 through 18. All we need to read is verse 18. It says, but I have received everything. This is Paul speaking to uh, the, the Philippians in relationship to an offering of money that he was taking to some other people, a contribution to help the saints in Jerusalem, I believe. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance well, it was an offering to himself. And I am supp- full, amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So they were supplied, they were giving money to help the needs of Paul. They were giving monetarily. That was, a, Paul says this is a sacrifice to God. So we haven't done our contribution yet and recognized it in our worship here, but we will in a moment. And I hope as we participate in that prayer that you can think I have been giving and I haven't been holding back, even though things are a little tougher for me right now in some way, for some of us, it is give your best sacrifice to God. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 15. And then into 16, there are two sacrifices mentioned in these two verses. Hebrews 13, 15, it reads, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Our praise is an offering to God. It is a sacrifice. It's a spiritual sacrifice to God. Are we giving our best? The very next verse And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Doing good works, sharing with others, that is a sacrifice and that goes up to God. Let us give our best sacrifice by doing good works for others and helping and sharing with those in need. Romans 15 verse 16, it makes a point that we already made back in First Peter, Romans 15, verse number 16. Paul speaking here about, about his calling, uh, verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul was saying this in relationship to his ministry and his calling is that his offering that he was going to bring to God was that he worked in the kingdom, spreading the truth and the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Jesus Christ with others so that he could present those souls on that final day to present those souls to Christ. That my offering of the Gentiles, I have won the Gentiles, I have taught them the truth and brought them into the kingdom of God. That was what he wanted to do. And that fits with the idea of priests who were called to teach the truth and to walk with God and turn others back from their iniquity. 
Wearsby ends by saying, are we bringing him our best? Or only what is convenient for us? So we just pause and think for a second. Do you want to spread, excuse me, do you, do you want this to happen? Do you want God to spread refuse on your face? Dung. Do you want dung on your face and then God to have you taken out with the trash, disposed of, gotten rid of? Do any of us want that to happen? Not me. Not any of you. So therefore, we better pay attention to the message today. If we don't want that to happen, then we must make this covenant of life and peace with Christ and walk in it with great reverence and share that message with others. Let us not in any way give Christ anything but our best. Consider that this week. Are you in a covenant with Christ? Then you better be walking in it fully. God understands when we fail, but he also understands if we're not giving him our very best. Let's always give him our best. And if there's anybody out there who hasn't committed to this covenant of grace with Jesus Christ, this covenant of life and peace, do it. Give your life to him. Walk with him. Live for him and give him your best. And you will truly have life and peace like you can find nowhere else. So if you want to do that, get a hold of me today or find somebody else in the church to talk with about that, of how you can give your life to Jesus Christ. We'll be happy to to teach you and help you be ready to be immersed into Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. We've got a song to sing that will be an encouragement to you and find somebody today. If you want to give your life to Jesus and the rest of us walk with him, give him your best. Let us sing this song.